Well, good morning. You can uh, be opening your Bible once again to Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. Uh, I didn't plan it this way. Uh, in fact, uh, I didn't really think too much about it, but um, it so happens we come to a very important part of the series on prayer uh, today because of what happened yesterday. Tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of Christians uh, met in Washington, D.C. And the funny thing is, it was hard to find any news about it, uh, at least for me. Um, I, di I didn't have an opportunity to go. We had prayer here at church from at least 9 to 2 yesterday. Um, and I w was traveling out of town and back, and so I wasn't able to come to that. But I, but I did involve myself in prayer yesterday and, uh, and, and in what we were doing. And uh, the purpose of the Christians going to Washington to pray yesterday was to confess and repent of our sin and to ask God to once again move among his people. And I know that, uh, that, that both events were uh, highly attended and, and, uh, and God used them in great ways. And today we're looking at uh, the second part of our prayer. We begin with worship and that leads us into confession because when we see what is perfect, we realize how imperfect we are. If all you ever do is look at yourself, uh, you start thinking you're mighty good and you're okay. Uh, and in reality, uh, you're not. In fact, my, my daughter uh, told me a little joke she heard. Uh, it, it said, an unusual alliance. And it was a feminist and a person who really believes the scripture. And the feminist said, men are trash. And the person who believed the scripture said, I agree. <laughs> we are horrible. And that's not just men, that is mankind. The Bible says we're made out of the dust. And how dare we ever exalt ourselves into thinking that we're anything uh, uh, to be counted as, as uh, something amazing. And so that's why the psalmist writes, who is man that you would even consider him? Yet God sets his love on us because he created us and he turns us into these fallen creatures of clay, into saints, into children of God. And so it, is, it benefits us as those saints, as believers in God, as adopted children into the kingdom, to look at our Father, to look at God constantly so that we remain in the, in the right mindset. And here in 2 Chronicles seven 14, I'm just going to read that for us first. It says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their lands. Do you notice that turn from their wicked ways? That, that phrase is the definition of the word repent. And so when we talk about confession, we, we need to talk also about repentance. And so that's why I named the sermon this this morning. Confession is good for the soul if you repent. Just admitting you were wrong doesn't help you much if you don't turn, change, turn away from your wicked ways and turn to God. And that's what the word, as I said, repentance actually means. Confession is ineffective without repentance. And, and so confession is just agreeing with an authority that what you did or said or thought or didn't do is wrong. That's all. You just confess that you're guilty of committing some sort of sin of negligence or action in word, thought, or deed. That's what confession is. And I can agree that I'm wrong without ever turning away from that wrongdoing. In fact, many people know what they're doing is wrong, but they do it anyway. Why? Because James says, because you want to, right? And that's always something to, you need to keep in mind when you say, I don't understand why I did that. 
Well, I do. You wanted to do it. That's why you did it. You don't do stuff you don't want to do. And so as soon as we can say, wow, I'm a sinner because I really want to sin, then that can turn us and get us to the place of repentance, which is not only a change of mind, and we love saying that because that's what it is. It's a change of mind, but to change my mind means it's going to change my action because not only do I change my mind about about that this is, this is sin, this is not something I'm allowed to do, then secondly, I need to realize that not only do I, I acknowledge that, but it is a change of my attitude toward that, that instead of looking at something I want to do, it becomes repulsive, it becomes the dirty thing that it is, and that results in a change of action, so I do what God calls me to do. Now, let me just quickly add right here, we'll come back to this later on, because I'm going to give you a way to go through repentance, but, but let me add that you cannot turn away from your sin in your own power. If you could, Jesus didn't have to come. Jesus came for really, a, I'll say, a twofold reason. I was going to try to shock you and come up with a statement and say, He didn't come to save you from your sins. He did, but that's not all He came to do. He didn't come just to pay for our sin. He came to also empower us to live the life He wants us to live. And that life begins with understanding who we are and we do that in worship and then confessing and repenting or turning away from our sin and so confession involves a lot more than we think and that's what I want you to take home with you today it, it, it involves more than just saying yeah yeah I know I'm wrong I'm horrible well you can say that all day and remain horrible and wrong you, you have to come to a point where you go, I'm not going to be that anymore. I'm going to turn away from my sin, the power of the Holy Spirit, and turn to God and be, be cleansed. So I want you to flip with me to the New Testament, to 1 John 1, 9. Now, I, I go there, and most of the time, when someone says, man, I, I'm sinning, I'm having struggles, we, we turn people to two main verses, and 1 John 1, 9 is one of those verses. We love to tell people what this says, and I, let me read it for us. I hope you have it. You can follow along. It's a good verse to memorize, by the way. Whoever says he is in the light, uh, light and hates his brother, this is, uh, I'm sorry, First John, uh, yeah, one nine is in the darkness uh, until now. Uh, whoever loves his brother abides. I'm in chapter two. Sorry, that was that's not it. <laughs> Apologize. See, I make mistakes. Uh, verse 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 2-9 is good as well. Uh, I, I spoke on that English class in high school. I asked permission to, can I give a speech? And they said, sure. And, you know, we got a lot of stuff going on now about racial, racial reconciliation. I talked about 1 John 2-9, a man says he's in the light and hates his brother still in darkness. Amen. 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 You better get a hold of that. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we use that verse for people that are in sin. I thought they'd messed up my Bible there for a second, but it was my, me that was in the wrong place. And, and we tell people that, and then when they say, well, I confessed it, but I sinned again, we, we say, well, you know, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will provide a way of escape when we're tempted so that you may be able to escape it. And yet that doesn't seem to be enough. And so that's why a little bit later on I want to show you a way to actually put God's truth into your life and to, and to exercise it to help. So in 1 John uh, 1, 9, not 2, 9, 1, 9, I want you to see that, that 
when should we confess? When we know we have sinned. I tried to come up with two or three more things to say about that, but there's nothing else to say about that. When do you repent? When you know you've sinned. When you know you've sinned. Now, again, if you spend any time at all worshiping God, you'll see your sin. You don't have to see your sin by looking for the sin. You have to see your sin by looking to God. James says when we look constantly into the mirror of the perfect law of liberty, then we see ourselves as we are. That the man who looks in a mirror walks away forgets what he looks like. So we'll do that. You know, we come to church. If the only time you open your Bibles in church when I ask you to or you're in a Sunday school class, then that's not going to help you a whole lot. It'll help some, but it won't help you a whole lot. It might get you to where you can get more help. You need to be in your Word a lot. You need to be in your Word every day, and I say that at least. But you ought to be in the Word more than just every day. You ought to be in it several times a day. Whenever you get opportunity, you ought to be looking at it. Because when you look at what God says, and you dwell there, and you stay there, you keep seeing yourself in the mirror of God's perfection. And so then we see ourselves clearly as we are. And so when you're in the Word, when you're worshiping God, and you see that, that's the time to come to confession. And whenever I say confession, I also mean repentance. That that's when we repent, when we know we've sinned. But 1 John 1, 9, it, it helps us in this way. And the why should we confess? And, and this verse shows us why we ought to confess. First of all, it says if we confess our sins. That puts us in the correct, correct position. We don't come to God saying, well, Lord... You know, I've been doing all right. We come to God saying, Lord, I have sinned. I recognize that. It's confession. And by the way, notice, this isn't asking for forgiveness. I, I call, you know, I said to take home with you today, confession involves more than you think. When I was a little kid, I would hear people pray a lot in church, and they would always start their prayer with, Lord, forgive us for all, our, all my sins, and go on. Well, oh, I get what you're doing, and okay, good, but all your sins are forgiven if you're in Christ. Past, present, and future. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he died for all of it. And he died for who you are in Christ. He, he, didn't, he didn't die so I wouldn't do a little thing wrong, even though that is involved and it comes about at one point. But he died so that I'm no longer in the order of Adam. I'm no longer a fallen man. I'm a redeemed man. Redeemed means to be bought out of the marketplace. <laughs> That I had been sold into sin and I was in sin. And sin required a payment of death. And by the way, Jesus did not pay that penalty to the devil. The devil doesn't demand that payment. God demands that payment. And that's why Satan is bound for hell himself. That is not what he rules. That's where he is headed. Where is the devil? He is roaming up and down throughout the earth seeking someone to devour. That's where Satan is. He's not sitting on some throne in hell. That's where he's headed, and he doesn't want to go there, but he knows he's going to. But God demanded a payment of death for sin. And so then God turned around, and God paid that penalty himself by putting on flesh, living a perfect life. And then it says in Corinthians, and he who knew no sin became sin for our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He embodied that sin and took it to a cross and nailed it to the cross. And he died that physical death. But also, when the Bible talks about death, it's not really talking about when I quit breathing on this earth. Because I hate to tell you this, because, some, well, I don't really suspect anybody does that. But there's, there might be some people that might wish I were not around. But here's, 
Anybody ever thought that about me? I got bad news for them. I ain't going to die because I already died. I died in Christ. I can't do the math. <laughs> 40, 43 years ago. 53 years ago now. Sorry. About 53 years ago is when I died. And so when my body, my heart quits beating and my breath quits breathing in this body, this is just a suit that I'm wearing. And then I will be with God. Hell, and I believe in a literal hell with fire and a bunch of bad stuff, but hell is also separation from God. And there on the cross when Jesus was dying, you know what he did. He quoted Psalm 22, 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God had to turn his back on his only son. And for that moment in history, the Trinity, one part of the Trinity had become sin for us. But he took it to the tree and nailed the penalty there to that tree and then rose again because he had paid the penalty and because he had not committed sin on his own and he was dying for you, God could raise him from the dead. And now he sits at the right hand of God making intercession for us. You've got to understand the penalty, what your sin cost God. Because God could have just destroyed us all and let it go. God didn't have to tell Noah about building an ark. He could have just killed them all. It's quiet in here. Amen. Amen. The next time by fire, and the saints will be put in a safe place, and the universe will melt away, and there will be a lake of fire where Satan and the lost are. You've got to understand that. And so it brings us to the correct position, God. I have sinned. I am a sinner. I confess that to God. I tell him I agree with you what I did was wrong, but it also puts us in the correct posture. It brings us to God in the correct posture. Why? If we confess our sins, it lets us know he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We come to God because he's the only one who can forgive us of our sin because every sin we commit is against him. You with me? I, do I sin against my wife? Of course. Do I sin against my friends? Yes. Do I sin against church? Yes, I do. But y'all didn't set the standard. God set the standard. And so every sin is against him. You follow me? When I sin against my wife, it's because I'm not following what he said the way a husband ought to be with his wife. You understand? Okay, I want you to get that because it's very important because when you come to confess, you've got to understand what you're doing. You, you need to restore relationships that you hurt, be it a wife, a friend, a, a co-worker, whatever. You need to heal those relationships. You need to confess to them at some point and, and, and say, I'm sorry for what I did. But first, you've got to get it right with God. Remember what David said after his sin with Bathsheba and having, having Uriah killed? He said, against you and you only, talking to God, have I sinned. David understood that. And so we come to God in the correct posture. God is against you that I've committed this sin. That's why I'm confessing it to you. And the good news is he's the only one with the power to forgive us of our sin because he's the only reason it's called sin. It's not sin because somebody thought it was sin. It's sin because God said it was sin. I, I, don't, I do not understand people that do not know God that think that they can decide what's right or wrong. And, and, and here's the evidence that that has happened in our country because people think that not killing a baby is taking away a woman's health care. What? That's crazy. 
That's nuts. God said don't kill. I mean, I know this sounds political. I don't mean it political. I just want you to think straight. Yesterday, a Supreme Court justice was nominated. And here's what's in the news. If this Supreme Court justice gets approved, they're going to take away our rights. What about the 60 million children and by averages, let's say 30 million women who never got the first right, the right to life? Come on, cut me a break. Think clearly. It is God that says what's right and wrong, not us. And we've got to get there. We've got to quit following a political party or ideology. We've got to get in the Word and follow the Word. And then vote as close as you can get to that. <laughs> it brings us before God in the correct position. And lastly, it brings us to the correct point that our sins are forgiven. I don't have to walk around in the condemnation of Satan all my life. The Bible says, Romans is at 8, 1, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. See, God's Spirit doesn't bring the saint to a place of condemnation. He brings them to a point of conviction. Condemnation is from Satan. Conviction is from God. And God brings conviction. Hey, what you're doing is not of me. It's not right. It's, you ought to repent of that. And we repent and turn to God. I believe that a saint of God, when he's faced with the truth of God about his sin, will repent. And if he doesn't repent, only one of two things can be true. Either one, he is not a Christian. He's not saved. He does not know God. Or number two, he is willfully disobedient to the revealed will and word of God. And if he's lost, he needs to be saved. And if he's in open rebellion against God, he better be careful because he's walking on slippery ground. It says in Proverbs 29, he being often reproved, hardened his neck, will suddenly be cut off in that without remedy. They, uh, uh, Paul said in, in uh, 1 Corinthians about the man that was sinning grossly in that church, he said, deliver him over to Satan for the destruction of his body that his soul be saved. He said he's a Christian, but man, he's messing up so bad and he won't listen. At, let him go. Tell God, hey, you can kill him if you want. And let the devil kill him. You walk in dangerous ground when you sin willfully and continue to sin willfully without turning away and turning to God. Just a point, and I think you ought to be thinking about it, but I know it's a heavy sermon, but I want you to see how you can confess. Here's how you confess and turn to God. First of all, confess your sin by name. 1 John 1, 7, look what it says. I'm, I'm in the right spot this time. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Confess your sin by name. We like to doctor it up. We call the murder of unborn babies a woman's right to choose. We call adultery, cheating, or an accident. And that you can go down the list. And I'll quit making a list because I might not hit yours. We need to confess our sin by name. Why? Not because God needs to know? No, because God already knows. It's because we need to go know. I don't know about you, but I know where I've messed up, and I don't like to say that out loud. I don't like to say, I did this out loud, whatever that might be. That, it's hard. It hurts. We go before God and go, God, here's been my attitude. Here's, been, here's what I did. Because then you're getting honest with yourself. You can't get honest until, 
with God until you can be honest with yourself to be honest with God. You, God doesn't need to hear you say it. God knows. You need to say it because you need to realize where you are. And so, and, and by the way, I'm not a big formula guy like do this formula. But I'm telling you, this, this is a good way to go through and to think in your mind. And, and let me say this before I continue in this. Not only is this a good way to confess and repent, it is also a good way to battle pray every day. Just every morning, go before God. You might not have to do that first point, but you may. But you can still say, Lord, show me my sin. And go on, because our enemy is after us. I can tell you, the enemy didn't want me to preach on this this morning. I, I can promise you that. I can, and I can only tell you that because of what I feel in my heart, my soul, and my mind. And what I've been feeling up to the point I got up here. But I've been praying, and God delivers me. Secondly, acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord. That's in 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, Colossians 1.13, not 1 Corinthians. Colossians, I, I want to invite you to turn there. Colossians 1.13. Another, another great verse that you ought to put in your list of verses to memorize. In Colossians 1.13, I like, well, I like to start at 11, actually. Being strengthened, it, this is a really long sentence. We're jumping in the middle and the end of a sentence, but being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us and to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Listen, you're either in the kingdom or you're not. And if you're in the kingdom, there is only one king in the kingdom. Amen? Amen. If there's two kings, that means one's going to try to overthrow the other. There's only one king in the kingdom of God. And it ain't you and it ain't me. It's Christ. And if you're in that kingdom, he is king and lord of your life. And you come there, you don't come because that's a downer. You come because, thank you, Lord. I've got a Lord, I've got a God who not only can, has the power to forgive me of my sins, but did forgive me of my sins through his blood shed on the cross, being buried and rising again from the dead. Amen, hallelujah. And so you go to God and you say, Christ, I acknowledge it. You are Lord of my life. I don't have, in other words, I don't have another Lord. I'm not the Lord of my life. Satan's not the Lord of my life. You're the Lord of my life. And that's an important place to put yourself because you got to know that you can be delivered. Look with me in John chapter 8 and verse 36. What you need to do is claim delivering truth that we find in Scripture. And this is just... Uh, one place, it, there, there's a lot of them there. And I'm going to give you time to turn there because I, I want you to see it. Okay? John, the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 30, what did I say, 38, 36. So if the Son sets you free... You will be free indeed. That's not a very complicated verse, is it? You're either free or you're not. You're either bound by sin and the Satan or you're not. And if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. I don't know about you. I like to watch, you know, dramas, adventures, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and the good guy sometimes gets caught by the bad guy and he gets put, he's locked down, he's chained up, he's whatever. 
and then somehow he slyly gets loose and gets out. You know what I'm talking about? And then he's on the run, right? He's got to escape. You ain't got to do all that. The Son set you free, and you are indeed free. You see, we were in slavery to sin, and now we're free. The chains have been broken. The price has been paid. Back there in Colossians, in that first chapter, he says, it said, he transferred you out of the kingdom of darkness and put you in the kingdom of light. It's not that you're really still behind enemy lines, spiritually speaking, in your own personal experience, that you're, you're trying to get out of the devil's web. No, God, God reached in. He, he didn't, like, tell you what path to take. He flew a black hawk in, fast rope down, snatched you up, got you in there, flew you back to the safe place and set you down there. And now... I'm, I'm at rest. I love, I love those stories too, you know. We're here to get you out. They put them on a helicopter and get them out. And when they land, you're good. You're safe. You don't have to worry anymore. We can claim those delivering truths. Man, I don't have to listen to the devil. He's not my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. You might not tell that to the devil too. I don't have to listen to you. Who are you? You don't tell me what to do. Jesus tells me what to do. And I don't have to listen to you. Because I don't belong to your kingdom. I'm in the kingdom of light. You can't even touch me over here. God doesn't allow it. And so I would say, and that's the, actually the fourth thing, in the name and authority of Jesus Christ, resist, refuse, and order the enemy out of that area of your life. Tell him to leave. Now, you may have to do that, you know, every minute of every two minutes, do that. But look in Mark 11. Mark chapter 11, verses 22 to 24. I'll go ahead and start reading it as you turn. It's not that far away from where you were. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it, and it will be yours. Now, the next verse says, and when you stand praying, forgive, because God already forgave you. If you've got unforgiveness in your heart, God's not listening to you until you forgive. Whole nother sermon, but that does apply. It's, it's a big part of what I'm talking about. I just don't have time to get, go there and stay there. But, the, but Jesus in the Lord's Prayer said, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And then his first comment, commentary on that Lord's Prayer in the Sermon on the Mount is this. For if you don't forget those who sin against you, your Father in heaven won't forgive you. What? I thought I could carry a grudge for a little while before. No, you got to forgive. Forgive means not seeking the revenge that is rightfully yours. I'm not saying you don't have a right to revenge. I'm saying you better not take it. Leave that to God and let it go. It'll improve your health. It'll improve your attitude. It'll improve a lot in your life. And so just tell the devil, get out of your business. You've got that authority in Christ. And then I don't have scripture for this, but there are scriptures. Ask for a new filling of the Holy Spirit. It says to be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians. Be filled with the Spirit. And, and just in case you come from a different denomination or you're a Baptist and don't understand this, the bapt there's two terms we use. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, filling of the Holy Spirit. Different people teach different things. Here's what's biblically true. When you are saved, according to Romans 6, Romans 8, you can read Romans 6, 7, and 8. It'll help you sort all this out. In Romans 6, it says that we are baptized into his death and we are raised into his life. 
That is a baptism in the spirit, not in the water. If it was water, we'd just drag people in off the street and dunk them under the water. But that's a symbol of what the Holy Spirit did, that you died to yourself and you died in Christ with him on the cross. You were buried with him and then you rose with him and now you walk in a life. So I'm dead to what I was in Adam. I'm alive to who I am in Christ. So you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and if you weren't baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're not saved, according to Romans 8. If he doesn't have the Spirit, doesn't have life. And then, understand, there's a filling of the Holy Spirit. And that can happen repeatedly. Because filling is not what God does, it's really kind of what we do. And I don't, I don't mean that we fill ourselves with the Spirit, but I mean this, that just like I always have something to drink up here, I have a dry mouth normally, and I do especially since I take a medication that does that to me now. But if I fill that cup with rocks or mud, there wouldn't be as much room in there for what's in there as a beverage, correct? But if I empty it of the mess, it's got more room for the liquid, Correct? The filling of the Holy Spirit is when you go to God and confess and get rid of the junk that's taking up room in your life, giving God more room to operate. Okay, that's just a way to understand it. And so you don't get filling of the Holy Spirit by asking the Holy Spirit to fill you. You go to Christ and say, Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. That's according to Acts chapter 2, verse 30 and 30 through 33, that, God, that God, Jesus, having accomplished the will of the Father, received the promise of the Father of the Holy Spirit, and he poured the Holy Spirit out on the church. And so you don't go to the Holy Spirit for filling. You go to Jesus for filling and say, Lord Jesus, since now the Holy Spirit is submitted to your authority, would you... Fill me with the Holy Spirit. And he says, you make some room, I will. <laughs> you see the divine cooperation here. It's not that we fill ourselves, but we need to get rid of some junk. Listen, I, I'm a junk guy. I got junk. I got so much junk. 99% of what I own is junk I need to get rid of. And, and, and like, oh, that's a nice new shirt. I'm going to get that. You know, and by nice new shirt, I mean at the thrift store. It, it's not too torn up. That's the one I get. Got this cheap on sale. All right? And so i got to make room in my closet because I can't get anything new in there. And so make room in your life for, Christ, for the Holy Spirit to fill. And then immediately, immediately enter into praise and thanksgiving. Look in Romans chapter 8. And in fact, I won't even read these to you, but Romans 8, 31 to 39. You need to just praise and thank God for what He's already done. And, and if, you, if you're looking there... It's all about how, uh, how what, Je what Jesus did in our position in Christ. Sorry, I turned to the wrong book. I'm, I'm bad for that today, it seems. It's all about how God is, is taking care of us and that, we, uh, that he has conquered death and hell for us. It says, what should we say to these things? If God's for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with us? Him graciously give us all things. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for 
us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we're being killed all day long, that we're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we're more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I said I wasn't going to read it, but I got excited. So when you get to that point, yes, praise God. Thank God. Amen. Clapping means victory over our enemy. Amen. Listen. That's how you confess. When you get into confession, man, woo, thank you, Jesus. Then I have to walk. Remember, you feel guilty because you are guilty. This is how you get rid of guilt. When you realize that my, my sin is paid for, I'm in Christ. It's not that you forget what you did and don't feel bad about it. But listen, God's not going to hold you account for that anymore because he held Jesus to account. I only have two things you can take home with you to do this week. Very easy. First of all, confess your sin to God. That's simple, isn't it? Confess your sin to God. And then this outline that I just gave you, and by the way, you said, I didn't get all that written down. I wish I had. Go to the app. Go to the, to the uh, online, the website, Presence. There is the thing, Sermons. It'll say Sermon Notes. Everything I got, you'll have. Okay? Use the means of confession to both repent and to strengthen your walk in Christ. It's a great way to repent, but man, what if you prayed that every day? Every morning you remind yourself, I don't belong to the devil, I belong to God. He's delivered me out of the kingdom of darkness into light. My sins are forgiven. Jesus is Lord. And you go through that list there in Romans and just say, today I'm going to walk over kings. Today I'm going to walk over demons. Today, all, though the ways may be over my head, they're under his feet and I'm in Christ. Amen? Listen, don't, we get down, we get discouraged, I get that. It's listed there in Romans 8. There, we get that. We get, we get buffeted and beat all the time. But there are people around the world who got it worse than us. And we don't need, we need to get a little bit, some spiritual strength and guts about us. And we do that by humbling ourselves, by confessing and turning from our sin. Because we'll never be strong. It is in my weakness that he has seen strong in me and through me. It is his strength and his power that comes into our life. I won't be strong, but he will be strong in me. And if I walk in his power and his strength and in his might, then I can walk in victory. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I know that there's more than likely people in this room right now watching uh, on Facebook or online. Maybe they're not watching now, they'll be watching later who maybe have a sin area of their life, a problem area that they cannot find deliverance for. I pray, God, in Jesus' name, that you would burn the truth into their heart, that you would bring conviction so that they might have deliverance. And Lord, it's not a magic formula. It's something we have to understand, realize, and just apply into our life. But God, I just, I ask that we would do that. I ask, Lord, that we would quickly come to you in confession when we know we've sinned and lord there may be somebody listening either here or online that today needs to call you lord for the first time that they would bow in in in, in attitude and maybe even in posture before you and say i am a sinner i need you to be my savior
and my Lord, I want to be brought into the kingdom. And you said all those who come to you, you wouldn't cast out one. And so, Lord, I pray that those you're calling will come today and that they would bow in your presence and receive from you the grace that forgives them of sin and empowers them to live the life that you've called them to live. In Jesus' name, amen.